0: Passion for God and compassion for our neighbor. Reaching people with Jesus. This is Crosswinds Church. And now, here's Pastor Kurt Truxas. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have the freedom here in America to gather to celebrate and remember the birth of your son. Your son's birth is so incredibly significant. So many things have changed in this world because of Jesus. And I thank you most of all how you change and save us. And as we look at that tonight, I ask that we would leave tonight with greater awe, greater love, greater admiration for you, Jesus. And we'd be drawn to worship you even more. And all God's people said, Amen. If you're a guest, it's great to have you. My name is Kurt, I'm one of the pastors, and it's really exciting that we get to celebrate here on this Christmas Eve. This Christmas, we've been in a series titled What If Jesus Had Never Been Born? And we've been looking for the last few weeks at the way Jesus' birth has changed culture. You'll remember some of these. Jesus changed education. If it wasn't for Jesus being born, we learned that public education as we know it would not have taken place. Jesus changed medicine. We learned in previous weeks that Jesus' birth is actually the reason we have hospitals today. We learned that Jesus changed science. Even modern science came out of basically Bible-believing Christian scientists, and even some of the greatest scientists were Bible-believing Christians, we saw. In previous weeks, we also saw that Jesus civilized the most barbarian cultures. Whatever the good news of Jesus went, Most barbaric cultures were brought to civility by the good news of Jesus changing lives. We've also seen how Jesus changed art. We saw how Jesus changed politics and even the most amazing political changes that have taken place, such as the abolition of slavery in England and in the United States, really took place because of Jesus, because Jesus changed the hearts and lives of politicians to legislate for those kind of things. You know, Jesus had not been born. Many positive things would not have taken place in this world. But tonight, in the final message of this series, we're going to look at something far more important than anything that Jesus has changed in culture. We're going to look at how Jesus changes people, individual people like you and me, and how Jesus actually saves lives. When you walked in the door tonight, I don't know what things you are struggling with. I don't know what griefs you are holding on to. I don't know what guilt is heavy laden on your soul. I don't know all kinds of things and difficulties that are in your life right now. But I do know this, that the reason Jesus came The reason Jesus was born was to save us, save us from our sins, and to make us into completely new people. And however burdens you have, regrets you have, guilt you have, addictions you are struggling with, right now, Jesus came to free you from all those things and to make you into new people. Tonight, if you look in the top of your outlines, uh, I have a theme verse for you. It's right in the top there. It's 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a completely new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Tonight, we're going to look at how Jesus didn't just come to forgive our sins, but you need to know Jesus came, he was born to make you and me into completely new people. Taking all of our sin, all of our regrets, all of our addictions, he can break those and take those away. Now the outline for this morning, to, to tonight, are to simply as follows. Number one, we're going to look at the Christmas story. And we're going to see that woven throughout the Christmas story is this constant message that Jesus came to save us. He came to save us from our sins. Then we're going to look at how Jesus saved people in biblical history. Then we're going to look at how Jesus saved people in more recent history. And finally, we're going to look at how Jesus can save and change you, even tonight. So if you have your outlines, we'll start at point one. It's this. Jesus was born to save us from our sins. And as I said, if you look at the Christmas story, woven into the Christmas story is this ever-present reminder of why Jesus came. He came to save Sin sick, broken people. People just like you and me. He came to save us from the things we have done. Look what it says here in Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 21. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, For he will save his people from their sins. Beginning of this little section of Matthew, it's a little bit about how Mary became pregnant and and Joseph's reaction to his fiance being pregnant. and He knew he wasn't the father. But when you get to the end of this section, it tells us the significance of Jesus' pregnancy. That the child in her womb was conceived by the Holy Spirit. This child is God in the flesh. His name is Jesus. And he's going to save his people from their sins. The first thing I want to point out to you is the name Jesus that Joseph was to give this baby. We read the name Jesus, but we miss the significance of that. In Hebrew, um, uh, names often have meaning. Jesus in Hebrew literally means God rescues or God saves. The very name of Jesus tells us what he came to do. That God has come to save us. And the next thing we learn is, what did he come to save us from? He came to save us, it says, from our sins. If you Go to the Gospel of Luke. And you look at the Christmas story there and look at the area where uh, the angels tell the shepherd about the birth of Jesus. We find a very similar thing happening there. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The angels tell the shepherds, this is the good news. There is a Savior who is born to you, someone who will save you from your sins. And not just. this is not just good news for Jewish people. This is good news for all people. We'll go further past the Christmas story. Still in Luke chapter 2. And Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to the temple to dedicate him. And they meet an elderly man named Simeon. Simeon picks up Jesus. And what does Simeon say? Now, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen, here it is, your salvation that you prepared in the presence of who? All the people. Simeon says this baby is significant. This is God come to save us, not just for the Jewish people, but for all people. Same theme all over again. You go to the Gospel of John. You find this theme again and again. John's Gospel doesn't have a birth narrative specifically. That theme is still there. For instance, in John 4.42. So they said to the woman, It's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. So we find this in the Christmas story again and Again. The reason Jesus was born, the reason Jesus came was to save us from our sins, not just the Jewish people, but all people, which is why we celebrate his birth. But then the question comes up, what does it mean for Jesus to save sinful people? What does it look like for Jesus to save sinful people? Can Jesus really save seriously sin-sick people who are lost? Because if he can't, there's no hope for you and me. Let's turn to our next point, which is Jesus saves sinful people in the Bible. The first person I'd like to briefly look at is Zacchaeus. Remember him? Luke chapter 19 tells us the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a dishonest tax collector who overcharged people by the way he admits that in the story that he overcharged people he was a very rich man but he was also a lonely man he was also a he may be a rich man but remember he was also a very short man I sort of picture him like Danny DeVito one of those kind of guys and he was interested in Jesus. He knew there was no way he could see Jesus. So he climbed a tree to see Jesus when he walked by. Now, interestingly, most people ignored Zacchaeus. But Jesus didn't. Because why did Jesus come? To save sinful people. We read this in Luke chapter 19. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up in the tree and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Jesus, how could you choose to spend time with a guy like Zacchaeus? We ignore him. But why did Jesus come? He came to save sinful people, just like you and me. And Jesus had lunch with Zacchaeus. And that's what I call one of those life-changing lunches. Look at the change in Zacchaeus's life. And Zacchaeus stood up, this is after lunch, and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. If I defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Now we told you that Jesus came to save sinful people, but he didn't just come to save people from our sin. But remember I said also, 2 Corinthians 5.17, that he came to make us into completely new creations, completely new people. Do you think Zacchaeus was completely changed by meeting Jesus? He was transformed by Jesus. Not only was he forgiven by Jesus, but he was so changed that he gave away half of his goods, very wealthy man to the poor, and then restored fourfold anybody he cheated. And Luke 19 finishes with this. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to save lost people and to make them into new creations. We look at another character from the Bible and we see this Mary Magdalene. The Bible doesn't tell us much about Mary Magdalene, but we do know this that before she met Jesus, her life was a complete basket case, she was a total hot mess. You say, well, how do you know that? The Bible tells us that she was a woman before she met Jesus that was demon-possessed. How would you like to have her as your neighbor? Demon-possessed woman living in a house next to you? That's a nightmare. By the way, the Bible tells us she wasn't just possessed by one demon. She was possessed by seven demons. Imagine the sexual perversion that must have been part of her life before Jesus. Imagine the addictions that might have been part of her life before Jesus. Imagine how lost and depraved and difficult and messed up her mind and world was before Jesus. The Bible tells this about her in Luke chapter 8, verses 2. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene from whom seven demons had gone out. But then Mary Magdalene met Jesus. Jesus cast the demons out of her life. Jesus forgave her sin, but Jesus made her also, you understand this, into a completely new person. The Bible tells us that she and other women followed Jesus and worked with the disciples and sort of were helping Jesus. That's a transformation. But this is what I find most amazing. God in his amazing providence When Jesus rose from the dead, who did God choose to be the first person to see Jesus risen from the dead on that Easter morning? It wasn't any of the apostles, was it? It was Mary Magdalene. The woman whose life had been virtually dead, who had been saved and made into a new creation by Jesus, literally saw Jesus, who had been dead, and resurrected to new life. Look what it says in Mark chapter 16. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. I love this about Jesus. Understand that Jesus doesn't just forgive our sins. Jesus makes us, when we come to him, into completely new people. And then you see, Jesus uses us in ways we would never ask for or expect or even imagine for his kingdom. Do you think Mary Magdalene ever thought that she would be privileged enough to be the first one to see Jesus risen from the dead? I don't think so. But look what God did for her. Now, we've talked about the idea of I'm looking at people in biblical history who Jesus made into new new folks. Let's look at some recent history. Jesus saves sinful people today. I'd like to look at somebody called John Newton. You can go ahead and put his photo up there. John Newton is the one who has written the hymn, Amazing Grace. You guys ever sung that song, Amazing Grace? It's considered the most popular hymn today. Still, even though it was written hundreds of years ago. Let me tell you a little bit about John Newton's story. John Newton was the son of a a sea captain. At the age of six, his mother dies. At the age of 11, his father took him to sea. His father was not just a sea captain, but he was a, a sea captain of a slave trading ship. So as a young man, he learned about the slave trade, and he quickly became involved in that, captaining his own ship, bartering and trading in human souls. It was in the year 1748, when his ship was in a terrible storm. The ship was breaking up, it was taking on water, and for the first time in his life, As he feared for his life, he called out to God and asked God to save him. And the storm subsided. The men were able to plug the holes in the ship, and they survived. And he writes about the next morning that he couldn't believe that God had mercy on his life because he felt like he didn't deserve it at all. In fact, in his journal, he says, I considered myself the absolute worst of human souls in that moment for the lives he had taken in slavery, for the things he had done. He didn't think anybody could even get worse, yet God had mercy on him. And that was the beginning of his Christian conversion. He went on to read the Bible and place his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And then at the age of 39, he left the slave trade and became a pastor. A pastor and a hymn writer. And he eventually wrote the hymn Amazing Grace. And you know what the hymn is? He wrote it as his testimony of how Jesus changed his life, forgave his sin, and made him into a new person, a completely new creation. Let me read a line for you out of this. He writes, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. I was blind, but now I see. It was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. My friends, I don't know what you have done I don't know what kind of burdens are in your life, but if Jesus can take the life of a man who is a wicked slave trader and completely forgive him, make him into a new creation, and then use him for his honor and glory, trust me, Jesus can save you. If he can save John Newton. Let me give you another example. The man I'd like to tell you about is Mel Trotter. You can put Mel's photo up there. If you uh, look on the internet for Mel Trotter, most of the pictures, he sort of looks like he's got his act together, sort of a distinguished older man, but he wasn't always that way. Mel was the son of a, a bartender, a drinker, a gambler, and a smoker. And he grew up with his father teaching him how to smoke and gamble. When he got married, his drinking completely ruined his marriage and ruined his life. It drove his family into complete poverty. He couldn't hold down a job. He was so addicted to alcohol. The story is told that he came home one day and his uh, son was dead in his wife's arms. And he decided he'd swear off the bottle. But before the funeral was over, he was drinking again while in the funeral. He came home another time later, still an alcoholic. And this time his daughter was sick. And she was in bed. And while she was sick, rather than stay there and care for his daughter, he took her shoes that she had put on the floor, left and sold them for another drink of alcohol. And when he came back, she was dead. He was so disgusted with himself and what he had become that he lived in Chicago at the time, he decided he was going to take his life and commit suicide on that wintry night. As he walked down to Lake Michigan, where he planned to throw himself into the icy waters, he heard a man preaching, he heard a man talking about Jesus. He was walking by the Garden, the Pacific Garden Mission. A drunk Mel Trotter came in and sat in the door and listened to the man talk about the Jesus, the Jesus who was born to save us from our sins. The Jesus, who if anyone would trust in him, would be made into a completely new person. Not by their power, but by Jesus' power working in them. And a drunk male trotter put his hand up at the end of the service and gave his life as best as he could to Jesus. And the amazing part is some people have dramatic conversions. That was a dramatic conversion. Because in the upcoming weeks, he gave up alcohol, which has had its grip in his life for so long. He gave it up completely. He went on to start a ministry called Mel Trotter Ministries, which is still around today in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and has led thousands of people to sobriety, gotten them off the streets, and introduced them to Jesus, who is the one who changes lives. Jesus can cast seven demons out of Mary Magdalene and give her new life, and if Jesus can break the, the grip of alcohol and Mel Trotter's life, Jesus can make you into a new creation tonight. I don't know what you're wrestling with. If it's alcohol, if it's, I don't care what it is, Jesus can make you into a new creation. Let me give you another example. Jacob DeShazer in Mitsubishi, or Mitsuo Fushida. In World War II, you'll remember in Pearl Harbor, some of you know what happened after that, that the United States decided to, to bomb uh, Japan. They did it by launching some bombers off of aircraft carriers. And um, the man who was in charge of that was called, was named Doolittle, was called the Doolittle Raid. Some of you have seen the movie about that. One of the sergeants who flew one of those planes was a man named Jacob, Jacob DeShazer. His plane, after they dropped their bombs, was, uh, was hit. They went down. He was taken a pr- prisoner by the Japanese. He was put into a five-foot-by-five-foot five cell. He was constantly tortured by the Japanese. He grew to hate them. He says that he would do anything just to kill them and take their life after the constant tortures they put him through. And then one day, there was a New Testament that somehow made it into the prison camp that was being passed between the prisoners. And that New Testament eventually came to him, and he he read that New Testament. And he says, the mountain of hatred he had for the Japanese in his heart began to melt. The line that really touched his heart, he says, is when he read about Jesus, on the cross, saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And he found at that time the hatred that controlled him melted away, and he had compassion for the Japanese that were torturing him. After World War II, when Jacob DeShazer came home, he returned and went back to Japan as a missionary to tell the Japanese about the Jesus who changed his heart from hatred for them to love and compassion for them to tell them about Jesus. The story doesn't end there. His story was put into a small tract in Japanese that was passed around, and that tract eventually made its way into a man by the name of Mitsuo Fushida. He was depressed. He was angry. He was guilty. He was in a really dark spot in his world, And he read about this Jesus, this Jesus who came to take away all of our sin. That's why he was born. This Jesus who could make us into new creations, completely new people, supernaturally through him. And Mitsuo Fuchida placed his faith and trust in Jesus and was dramatically changed. Mitsuo Fuchida was the Japanese commander that led the attack on Pearl Harbor who's dramatically changed by Jesus, gave the rest of his life to telling Japanese and Americans about the Jesus who can forgive our sins and change our life. Well, I don't know what kind of anger you have towards other people in your life, like Jacob de I don't know what kind of regrets you have in your life about things you have done, like Mitsuo Fushida, but... Please understand me. Jesus can forgive those things, and He can make you into a new person. Let me give you one other example. His name is Chief Tariri. And there was a time when the um, World's Fair was held in New York, a number of years ago, and they had something called the Tower of Lights that they lit at that time. The Tower of Lights had more lights in it than any other time in history. It was the strongest concentrated light source that had ever been made. The man who threw the switch on that light source at the World Fair was a former Peruvian headhunter. Now, what happened with him? He was from Peru, he was a chief. Uh, He had outside of his tent 10 heads on poles They're the head of other chiefs that he had decapitated. No one knows the number of common Indians he had decapitated and taken off their heads. But one time in previous years, there were two missionaries, Bible translators, who were seeking out people in the woods. They met him, and for some reason, he chose not to kill them, but he let them live. And they lived in his tribe, and they learned his language. They told him about a Jesus a Jesus who died for them and who loves them and can make them into a new person. And Chief Chiriri placed his trust in Jesus and his life was dramatically changed. Instead of killing people and taking their heads, he wanted to save people and help them. In fact, 200 people in his tribe were changed by Jesus, ultimately leading him to one day come to America and to be the honor of throwing the switch on the Tower of Light's at the World Fair. You now, what Jesus did in all of these lives, He can do in your life tonight if you will let Him. Jesus transformed a crooked tax collector completely. Jesus took a woman who was possessed by seven demons and cast those demons out of her and made her into a new person. Jesus transformed a man who was a slave trader into a pastor and hymn writer. Jesus transformed um, a helpless person. Jesus transformed a man who bombed Pearl Harbor. Jesus transformed a Peruvian headhunter. Jesus can transform you and make you into a new creation. We've said a couple times that Jesus forgives our sins, but I want you to understand the significance of what that means. I have just a couple of thoughts on what does it mean for Jesus to forgive our sins here. Jesus was born to save me from my sins. Jesus was born to save me from the consequences of my sins. The Bible says in 1 John 1 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Romans 8 chapter 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When we confess our sins to Jesus, God separates our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. Even though God knows everything about us and what we have done through Jesus, all of our sins are covered by His blood. And when God looks at us, He sees the purity of Jesus, not the ugliness of our sinfulness. That's part of what it means to have Jesus pay for our sin but it means more than that. Jesus was born to take away the guilt and the shame of my sin as well. Hebrews 10.22 says, let us draw near with a true heart, full of assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Jesus doesn't just forgive our sins, but you realize he takes away and cleanses our conscience, cleanses us from an evil conscience. There are many times people walk around living with regrets. Jesus takes away those sinful regrets because what Jesus has done for us is much greater than any regrets we have, the things we have done. The significance of what Jesus has done for us is greater than anything done by us. Jesus was born to set me free from the power of sin. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would be no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Folks, Jesus cast seven demons out of Mary Magdalene and made her into a new person. Jesus broke the grip of alcoholism in Mel Trotter's life and made him into a new person. Jesus broke the grip of hatred that Jacob de had for the Japanese and gave him compassion and love for his tormentors. I do not know how sin may have its grip and hook in your life tonight, but I do know the only way it can be broken is by Jesus because where sin is the problem, Jesus is always the answer, my friends. He came to set us free from sin. And this lastly, Jesus is born to set me free from the very presence of sin. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Revelation 21:4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Jesus didn't just die to set us free from the consequences of sin, from the guilt and shame of sin, and the power of sin. But folks, he came and he died to set us free from the very presence of sin, once and for all, for all of eternity. Someday when we pass away because of Jesus, we'll be brought home to God's very presence where sin, crying, sorrow, and shame is no more. So here's my challenge for us tonight on this Christmas Eve. What about me? Jesus' birth changed education, medicine, science, civilization, arts, and politics, but the most important thing Jesus came to change was to save me from my sin. If Jesus could change the life of Zacchaeus, Mary Magdalene, John Newton, Mel Trotter, Jacob DeShazer, Mitsuo Fashida, and Chief Terari, he can change you. And if you don't know him tonight, my prayer is when I close, and I'm going to offer a little prayer of trust in him, If you have come here tonight with family and friends and you're here because you were brought along to a Christmas Eve service, there is no better time to trust in Jesus and to be forgiven of your sins and can experience him making you new than today. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to trust in him in a moment as we close. But if you are here as someone who has known Jesus, maybe for a year, or maybe for decades, or maybe for most of your life, the proper response to what we just looked at, in God, Jesus' life-changing and sin-saving power, is to love Jesus more and worship Him incredibly deeply at this Christmas season. Before you open your Christmas gifts, before you get caught up in all the family festivities, I challenge you, tomorrow morning, or even tonight, pause and take a moment and pray and say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you so much that you were born to be my Savior. You were born to be the Savior of the world and to make me into a new creation and set me free from sin. Now I'm going to pray. And if you're somebody who was brought along with your family and you just heard the gospel message, you want to trust in Jesus, in this closing prayer, you can have an opportunity to repeat in your heart a very simple gospel prayer to trust in the Jesus who will save you and change you right here and right now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for sending your Son. And the most significant thing you have done and can do is save us and change us. And if you're somebody who's going to trust in Jesus Just simply repeat these words after me in your heart. Jesus, I come to you right now. I ask you to take away my sins. I ask you to make me into a completely new person to break the grip that sin has in my life. And I ask you to make me your own. Wash away my sin and make me into a new creation to please you. I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. This has been a presentation of Crosswinds Church. A complete archive of sermons can be found online at crosswinds.tv. Thank you for being with us, and may God continue to enrich your life.